Hello and welcome to episode 589 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this evening. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Wednesday, July the 12th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with St. Alphonsus Liguri's Wednesday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain deliverance from hell. My most beloved lady, I thank thee for having delivered me from hell as many times as I have deserved it by my sins. Miserable creature that I was, I was once condemned to that prison, and perhaps already, after the first sin, the sentence would have been put into execution if thou, in thy compassion, hadst not helped me. Thou, without even being asked by me, and only in thy goodness, didst restrain divine justice, and then, conquering my obduracy, thou didst draw me to have confidence in thee. O, oh, and to how many other sins should I have afterwards fallen, and the dangers in which I have been? Hadst not thou, my loving mother, preserved me by the graces which thou didst obtain for me? Ah, my queen, continue to guard me from hell. For what will thy mercy and the favors which thou hast shown me avail me if I am lost? If I did not always love thee, now at least, after God, I love thee above all things. Never allow me to turn my back on thee and on God, who by thy means hast granted me so many graces. My most amiable lady, never allow me to have the misfortune to hate thee and curse thee for all eternity in hell. Wilt thou endure to see a servant of thine who loves thee lost? O Mary, what sayest thou? I shall be lost if I abandon thee. But who can ever more have the heart to leave thee? How can I ever forget the love thou hast borne me? My lady, since thou hast done so much to save me, complete the work, continue thy aid. Wilt thou help me? But what do I say? If at a time when I live forgetful of thee, thou didst favor me so much, how much more may I not hope for now that I love thee and recommend myself to thee? No, he can never be lost who recommends himself to thee. He alone is lost who has not recourse to thee. Ah, my mother, leave me not in my own hands, for I should then be lost. Grant that I may always have recourse to thee. Save me, my hope, save me from hell. But in the first place, save me from sin, which alone can condemn me to it. Today, friends, I wanted to take a look at the second part of these short entries that Dr. Taylor Marshall made at his blog, taylormarshall.com, pertaining to the hows and the whys of coming into the Catholic faith, converting from Protestantism. This was initially penned on Monday, April 30th, 2012. Um, I'm, once again, will recommend his YouTube channel, which is excellent, and also um, at YouTube, if you do a search for him and um, the journey home, that's Marcus Grodi's show from EWTN, you get a fuller version of his conversion story. This is how Catholic, or excuse me, how Catholicism made me socially aware, part two of becoming Catholic. He said yesterday in part one, I shared how I became Catholic in my heart during a holy mass with Pope Benedict XVI. Today's story is less exotic. It happened about a year before I visited Rome and it happened in Fort Worth, Texas. I was a newly minted Anglican clergyman and I sensed that I should be doing something active and visible for Christ in the local community. I began praying with other Anglicans in front of Planned Parenthood once a week. Having been previously reformed, Social action and anything that smacked of the social gospel was mocked and condemned, both by my friends and myself. In fact, my RUF leader, 
in college told us that preaching against things like abortion from the pulpit was an abuse since the pulpit was solely for gospel preaching, not political issues. I thought that this sounded a bit off, but I did not question it. Now that I was praying in front of an abortion clinic with a collar on my neck, I began to see that Christianity is much more than preaching, reading solid books, and debating doctrine. Teenage girls were crying. Men were dropping off girlfriends for their dirty deed. It was terrible, and yet somehow I knew that Christ was working through those present in a special way. Here's the kicker. On each day that we went to pray before Planned Parenthood, there were always many, many Catholics, and usually at least one Catholic priest. They were kneeling in the gravel and praying. After a few months of observing this, one begins to ask himself, why are these Catholics here humiliating themselves and praying for people who mock them? Where are the Lutherans? Where are the Baptists? Where are the Reformed? The denominations weren't there. That's not to say that they are not pro-life. However, it demonstrates that in this case, Catholicism is somehow more socially aware. As I got to know these Catholics and their priests, I learned that they were not flimsy social justice only types. They went to daily mass. They prayed. They defended the creeds and councils. They even studied sacred scripture. It was a balance that is rarely achieved in the realm of Protestantism. I'm not saying that this one event made me Catholic, but it opened my eyes to authentic Christianity, the combination of theological rigor and corporate acts of mercy was something that I found very attractive, and it certainly led to my conversion. My conclusion now is that Catholic liturgy naturally makes one socially aware. This would be a longer post for another time. Godspeed, Taylor Marshall. It's a both and in Catholicism, folks. It's the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. When you try to emphasize one and not the other, that becomes problematic because the emphasis of the corporal works of mercy and saying that the spiritual works of mercy don't matter, that inevitably ends up in indifferentism, really, liberalism. And then if you emphasize the spiritual works of mercy as opposed to the corporal works of mercy, that can get really hard-headed and cold and aloof and distant and puritanical. The beauty of Catholicism, of course, it being the one true religion, is that it's that perfect balance. It's the both and. It's the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. And we do the corporal works of mercy because we care about the souls of those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are needy. We care about their eternal salvation. But you have to do something, right, to help those people. You can't just say, I'll pray, I'll pray for you if a, a person's freezing to death. They need a place to live, right? They need a warm coat. They need to be taken care of. So that's the beauty of the faith. It's the both and of Catholicism, the perfect balance when you have the spiritual works of mercy and the corporal works of mercy. And that in large measure is what helped draw Dr. Marshall to the one true faith. And 
you could go on for quite a long time um, with the various reasons that people become Catholic. One thing that drew so many into the faith was the traditional Latin mass, uh, especially um, in England in the first half of the 20th century, not just in England, but many of the converts, uh, G.K. Chesterton and others were drawn in by the beauty of the traditional Latin mass. And there's a funny story. My sister was mentioning it today about how when J.R.R. Tolkien attended the Novus Ordo, he used to (laughs) yell the responses in Latin. You know, a man who was so ensconced in the beauty of language and the beauty of liturgy, you know, he did not take very kindly to the fact that the traditional Latin mass was no longer available to him. And many people who had converted in the first half of the 20th century, when the traditional Latin mass came about, I'm sorry, when the traditional Latin mass went into disuse and the Novus Ordo was promulgated in the late 60s and early 70s, a lot of people were like, hey, wait a minute. Part of, part of the reason why I converted was the, the beauty of the, the liturgy, the reverence and the truth of the traditional Latin mass. And I feel like I'm getting some watered down version of the faith here. So that's why I would highly encourage you to get yourself to the traditional Latin mass. Find a diocesan TLM, attend the priestly fraternity of St. Peter, known as the FSSP, Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest, known as ICKSP, or the Society of St. Pius X Chapel, known as the SSPX. And read traditional catechisms, like the Catechism of the Council of Trent, the Baltimore Catechism, the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X. Pray the rosary every day and follow the late great Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre's advice. Don't become bitter, right? Don't become um, upset by what has happened in the church over these last several decades and all the problems within the church. We're all sinners. Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. Don't let the bad behavior of a bishop or a priest or the man speaking into this microphone keep you away from the one true faith. Catholicism is true. It's the church that Jesus founded. Protestantism, whether it be uh, Southern Baptist, First Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, non-denominational, whatever they call themselves, it's not the true faith. It's a heresy. God wants you to be Catholic. He wants every man, woman, and child in the world to be Catholic. You cannot separate our Lord from his church. You cannot separate the bridegroom and the bride. So repent and believe in the gospel. If you've been away from the faith, come back. If you're not Catholic, you need to convert. Come on in. The water's fine. Jesus loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And he wants you to be Catholic. Let's mention once again, friends, Helping Autism through learning and outreach available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. 
And also, please tune in and share Far and Wide episodes 277 and 548. That's 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, which feature interviews, one by me and one of a gentleman from Word on Fire that I narrate, featuring my wonderful sister and my equally wonderful niece about RPM. RPM is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Imagine how frustrated you would be if you were unable to communicate. You couldn't tell people what you wanted for your dinner. You couldn't communicate anything, you know, the most basic things, um, let alone, you know, higher level thinking, what your hopes and dreams are for the future and things of that nature. Well, that's the prison of silence that non-speakers are in until their families discover rapid prompting method. Now, this is known by a couple of different names. Some call it spelling to talk or typing to communicate. It's all basically the same thing, uh, using a letter board to communicate. Just like the deaf had a revolution in terms of their being able to communicate with sign language, the same thing is happening and it's not well publicized for non-speakers. So we need to get the word out there. I'm counting on you to be the messengers to carry this out to your family, to your friends who have non-speakers and their families. This will help them. This has helped thousands of families. It will help thousands more, but we need your help. We need your prayers. So once again, the website is halo-soma.org. And please tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast because communication is a human right. Please tune in tomorrow. Goodbye and God love you.